This is People Every Day. Coming up, why Will Smith says he once contemplated killing his father inside his shocking new memoir. Plus, why Gigi Hadid's playing peacemaker between ex Zayn Malik and her mom, Yolanda, and a look at court TV icon Judge Judy and her wild rags to riches story. It's November 3rd. Hi there, this is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. It is Wednesday, hump day, if you will, and also the day that we release big exclusives out of the issue. And there's one story that is really blowing up right now. Will Smith is letting it all hang out in his new memoir, Will, out November 9th. And I actually got to read it early and work on the exclusive excerpt that's in this week's issue. We touch on a lot of interesting stuff in the book, but one moment that really shocked me was the actor discussing a time when as an adult, he considered killing his father, William Carroll Smith Sr. So I have to give you the context here. Smith had a very complicated relationship with his dad, who he says was an alcoholic, but was always very present and active in his life. And they always seemed very close. You'd see them together on sets and red carpets. But there was an incident when Will was a kid that he says scarred him for life. He writes, quote, When I was nine years old, I watched my father punch my mother in the side of the head so hard that she collapsed. I saw her spit blood. The moment in that bedroom, probably more than any other moment in my life, has defined who I am. He says he worked his entire life and career to hide from the fact that he felt like a coward because he didn't help his mother in that particular moment. And though decades went by, the anger he felt towards his dad bubbled back up when Will Sr. was sick and dying of cancer. The actor writes that one night, as I delicately wheeled him from his bedroom toward the bathroom, a darkness arose within me. The path between the two rooms goes past the top of the stairs. As a child, I'd always told myself that I would one day avenge my mother, that when I was big enough, when I was strong enough, when I was no longer a coward, I would slay him. And wow, Will recalls thinking in the moment, quote, I could shove him down and easily get away with it. But he adds, As the decades of pain, anger, and resentment coursed, then receded, I shook my head and proceeded to wheel Daddy out to the bathroom. Wow. Just powerful, powerful stuff. I would mark this celebrity memoir under a must-read. Now for some other Hollywood news. Let's talk Gigi, Zane, and Yolanda drama. If you recall, Gigi Hadid's mom, Yolanda, pressed charges against Zayn Malik for an altercation they had last month. But sources tell people that Gigi is stepping in and trying to make peace for the sake of her and Zayn's 13-month-old daughter, Kai. According to the source, quote, Yolanda is very upset with Zayn, but Gigi has made it clear that her daughter needs her dad. Gigi will do everything she can to make sure they co-parent in a civil way. Good to hear that cooler heads are prevailing in this case. In other news, 18-year-old Jojo Siwa, the Dance Moms alum and influencer who we've all seen dancing her heart out on Dancing with the Stars this season, is opening up about her recent breakup with girlfriend Kylie Prue. She went on This Is Paris, Paris Hilton's podcast, and shared the news. Take a listen. She is literally still my best friend. Uh, I talked to her yesterday. She just got a new puppy. She's awesome. She's having the time of her life. I'm having the time of my life. So I'm, I'm really lucky that I didn't lose her completely because, you know, even though relationships and friendships don't have to end. 
Well, she and her ex may be young, but they definitely seem to be handling things in a mature way. Well, now it is time to dig into this next story. We've spent the past few weeks covering the deadly shooting on the set of Alec Baldwin's film, Rust. And today, there is a bombshell new claim from the attorneys for armor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. In an interview with the Today Show, they said that they are investigating whether someone placed a live round in a box of dummy bullets in order to sabotage the set. We have people who had left the set who had walked out because they were disgruntled. We have a, a time frame between 11 and 1 approximately that day in which the firearms uh, at times were unattended. So there was opportunity uh, to to tamper with this scene. We should note that Jason Bowles and Robert Garantz, who represent Reed, did not provide any evidence to support the claim. And joining me now to talk about it is People.com Movies Editor Nigel Smith. Hi, Nigel. Hey there. Wow. Well, this is a wild statement to make. We have no proof whatsoever that it's true, but Gutierrez-Reed's attorneys said they're not ready to rule this scenario out. So what is leading them to have this idea? It's a, it's a theory that's kind of out there on the interwebs, and it's one they're bringing to light. Um, they're saying that there was a box of dummy bullets on set that she used to to load the weapon, and that somehow a live round got inside. And there's been so much talk mm. um, leading up to this interview about the conditions on set and whether mm-hmm. that played a role in any of this, you know, whether the... The, the, the negative conditions um, just caused a workplace environment whereby something like this could could actually happen. And yesterday, Alec Baldwin, in a pretty bold move, he actually kind of weighed in on all of this talk by sharing a statement um, released by the costume designer on the film who said, uh, who, who, who countered all the narrative out there that this was a bad set where people were overworked and people had to travel long distances. She basically said none of this is is true and the focus should be on gun safety. And that's something that Alec Baldwin obviously supports by by sharing her statement. Well, yeah, speaking of those conditions on set, there was that window that they're saying, at least the lawyers say this, that between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., there were weapons that were left unattended and that someone could have tampered with it during that period. I know we got that image of what looked to be an unattended weapons table that came out of the set. We ran that not too long ago. But this is this is where they're kind of getting that as well, right? Like, it, it's possible. That's what they're saying, that given the, the way the set was run and the fact that things were left unattended, that something could have happened, um, thereby they're just trying to obviously remove um, their client from this whole mess and trying to pit it on somebody else. Who that person is, we don't know yet. Mm, Well, in terms of the investigation, last week the Santa Fe Sheriff's Office said that much of the investigation was focused on Dave Halls, the associate director, and Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer, because they were the last people to handle the weapons. So what did her attorneys say about what she did with the weapon? They said that she handed it out to Halls, the assistant director, and then left to do her other job shortly after giving the gun to Halls. And they allege that she actually wasn't by the gun. Mm-hmm. And um, as we all know, Halls, the assistant director, he yelled cold gun. It's been said many, many times. And cold gun means that um, it's safe to use on set. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing that's really feeding all of these rumors is that, and we've learned this from 
professionals who work in this space, not on this particular set, there is not supposed to be any live ammo on set, period. So I I think that is really, you know, one thing that even if this isn't true, feeds that. Like, how did it even get there, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what they're trying to to question the lawyers. They're they're bringing up this theory that you know somebody intentionally brought this live ammo on set, and that's the only way that explains how this actually happened in the first place. Because we all have that question: how did this? How did this all happen? <laughs> Hopefully, um, we get further answers. But you know, this investigation is obviously still ongoing, um, according to to law enforcement. Everyone is still being questioned, and they're they're not really um, obviously disclosing exactly who they're investigating the most. But um, everything's on, everyone's on the table. Yeah, and we will probably see headlines coming out of this for months to come. All right, Nigel, thank you. Thank you so much. Next up, digging into this week's People cover story about the honorable, iconic Judge Judy. I promise there's a lot you don't know about her, and People's Emily Strom is here to take us through it. Stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, now let's get some order in this court. I am back now. (laughs) Yep, we're approaching the bench, so to speak, to talk all things Judy Scheinlin. She's the cover of this week's issue of People, and man, is her story fascinating. Oh, sorry, Judge Judy, if you didn't know. Here to share all the details is People's senior editor, Emily Strom. Hi, Emily. Hi, Janine. Welcome to the show. I think this is the first time. It is. What a pleasure and honor it is to be (laughs) on the podcast, especially talking about her honor, Judge Judy. I love it. A big takeaway from our feature was what her life was like before she became the famous Judge Judy. So let's listen to what she said about that. I have those moments in my history, you know, taking the kids and going out to a motel, where the road narrows out to the Hamptons, mm-hmm. and they had a free bagels and coffee and cream cheese in the morning. And I said to them, have breakfast late. <laughs> this, you're on the modified American plan. That's two meals a day. It's crazy to think about this woman, one of the highest paid people on TV, counting her nickels and dimes. But before we get into that, Em, tell us how she got there. Like, What is the short story of how Judge Judy became Judge Judy? Yes. So she never set out to be famous. Uh, It just kind of happened. You know, she um, got her law degree. She worked as a, uh, a corporate lawyer for a cosmetics firm. Didn't like that. 
so she quit, took a couple of years off to raise her kids, and then got a job uh, working for the New York family courts, prosecuting uh, child abuse cases. She eventually uh, became a judge and uh, retired after hearing 20,000 cases. During her time, though, she obviously earned a reputation for being uh, Judge Judy, and that caught the eyes of some producers who ultimately offered her an opportunity to be on TV. Uh, fast forward 25 years, and uh, Judge Judy is known around the world. And so, so did she share more stories about that penny-pinching, that, that time in her life where she was just strapped? Oh, yeah. Judy's got a lot of good stories. One of them is, uh, you know, when she was working as a family court judge in the 80s, um, she and her husband had one car, and it was a Maxima that did not start in the rain. So anytime there was a little bit of precipitation overnight, she knew that it meant one thing car trouble. She'd get up in the morning, she'd have to go down from her apartment, flag a taxi, take that taxi back to her apartment, pay the fare, and then slip them five extra bucks to give her car a jump. And that's how she would have to get to work. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Yes. There was that. And then she also, you know, she would, she was a bargain hunter. Even after she started getting paid and making money, she said, Um, it was a hard habit to kick. So uh, after she had already been on the show and gotten some fame, uh, she was photographed like digging through one of the underwear bins in in Filene's basement, which is like an old department store. And um, after she got caught, she was like, okay, I'm I'm done doing that. (laughs) She said, you know, I could afford, I could afford three panties for $10, but three panties for $5 sounded a whole lot better. So Judge Judy, you know, she's been on the air for over 25 years. That's a long time. But the iconic show came to an end in May. I don't know if people knew that. I knew that because my in-laws watch it incessantly. And even when my son started hanging out with them, he would watch it. And he said he wanted to become a judge after watching court TV with them and always wondered. He asked me, like, Mom, why don't they just stop talking? She told them to stop talking. (laughs) So so I honestly can't even imagine, you know, what the transition has been like for her out of that world. But, you know, that was her life for over two decades. She doesn't seem to be phased, though. Let's let's listen to how she's doing now. Had a good time. Thanks a million. It was a great run. Uh, changed my life. Emily, did she give you a peek into any emotion, though, about the end of that era? Oh, no. True to form. You know, Judy was not emotional about the the end of this huge part of her life. I mean, you heard her. It was basically thanks a million. And and she went out on top. So she wasn't sad. She wasn't nostalgic. Um, She was grateful for the opportunity and on to the next. Well, let's talk about that next, that next adventure, Judy Justice. So can you tell us a bit about the new show and how it's different from her last one? Yeah, so it's brand new show, but same old Judy. I don't care if you're in the process of doing a circumcision on the dog. Your Honor, it's simply not true. My wife was a witness there, and she yeah, did not I'm going to show you the video again with your dog chasing his dog down the street. Don't interrupt again. It confuses me, and it takes me off my flow. The quick remarks and, and all of her um, unique advice she offers uh, the people who step into her courtroom. It's on IMDB TV, 
which is Amazon's free streaming service. And Judge Judy is still also airing on CBS. So she's all over the place. Wow. And the woman is 79 and does not seem to be slowing down at all. The opposite. Actually, did she talk about her personal life, being a grandma? And and did she mention retirement at all? She she has no plans to retire, um, mainly because she said that there isn't one thing that she could think of that she wanted to do on a full-time basis. Like golf, no. Um, <laughs> backgammon, no thanks. So, um, you know, when it came to, to thinking about retirement, she just thought, why would I do that when, when the thing that I love the most is, is doing the yeah. show? And it's not a nine-to-five. She hasn't had a nine-to-five in, in over two and a half decades. And, and that's the same case um, with the new show. You know, she's able to call the shots and uh, still do what she loves. Call the shots she does and cut you off with cold, hard facts. That's what I love about Judge Judy. <laughs> yes, she's got some um, cold, hard facts that she's handed out in the past that, you know, people, people quote Judge Judy all the time. That was People's Senior Editor Emily Strom on this week's Judge Judy cover story. For more on this story, pick up a copy on stands and head over to people.com. And now, something to make you smile. It's never too late to pursue your dreams, and 63-year-old Debbie Blunt is doing just that. She fell in love with golf 30 years ago when her late husband introduced her to the sport. After his passing, it was hard for her to hit the grass again, but she picked it up after enrolling in college recently, hoping to check getting a degree off of her bucket list. Now, she's a student at Reinhardt University in Waleska, Georgia, and has joined the school's women's golf team, becoming one of the the oldest student athletes in the U.S. Debbie is also the first person in her family to go to college and says it's a gift she doesn't take lightly. Here's how she says going back to school has reignited her flame. I walked on this campus and felt like I had come home. I feel like a kid going to the first day of school. This is such a special place. And I walk around and everybody's smiling and, and everyone's happy here. And it just, it seems like it's just the perfect fit for me. Now, her teammates have lovingly dubbed her Ancient Eagle because, well, she's got a few years on them, but she swings strong and is flying high. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow. 